0: Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Joining us once again is our our resident um, repeat guest. I don't know. I don't know the term. There, there's got to be a nickname, you know? Like I, at well, shit. I, at this point, you're like on the like the five timers club, right? I mean, if this were SNL, like this is your fifth appearance. I, I, I I'm, I'm talking like directly to the person that, you know, is the guest. So the listeners have no idea what's going on, but it's John Rowe. John Rowe is back. John, how's it going, buddy? Hey, feeling pretty good. I'm feeling a lot like a a guy named John Goodman at this point, who
1: featured many times on SNL.
0: Yeah, John Goodman. Who else? Who else? Uh, Tom Hanks, Steve Martin, Martin Short. Um... There are other there are other people that have hosted SNL at least five times, but I can't think of them.
1: At what at what point do you stop counting Alec Baldwin?
0: Mm. Well, I shit. Yeah, that, that's a good call. I mean, I mean, he's no longer like on the salary. I think he finally is mostly retired playing Donald Trump. But yeah, that I'm pretty sure Alec Baldwin has hosted probably like actually hosted like 10 or more times. Right. But dude, he's brilliant. I mean, he's so good whenever he's on SNL, at least I think so. I think so too. All
1: Maybe right. Be up there. I feel like, he,
0: yeah, go ahead. No, no please. What, what do you got? What do you got?
1: Oh, well, not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, this is just, you know, a couple more tidbits on Alec Baldwin, but you know, let's just pass on by. Yeah. All right. Let's just well, pass on by. We'll but pass hey, by.
0: quick hit. Quick hit. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Stephen Baldwin movie? Stephen Baldwin. Oh man. Uh. What? Well, now now it gets tricky because I'm like, all right. So the Baldwin brothers, right? You've got Alec. You've got Billy. You've got Stephen, and you've got Daniel. Mm-hmm. You got Daniel Baldwin. Man, I I, I nailed. It. I'm pretty sure there are four Baldwin actors. So Stephen. Um, I guess my favorite Stephen Baldwin movie would be uh The Usual Suspects, I think, would be the one that I would go with. That's
1: a solid one. That's a solid one. What would you go like, with? Well, I think his best performance might be Eight Seconds. Uh
0: but Biodome deserves a shout. I don't know. Um I know what your favorite Billy Baldwin movie is.
1: Oh, backdraft all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like how he doesn't look anything like Kurt Russell, but it's just like, it, it's just too a movie. It's like, we don't need, that doesn't matter.
0: They're right. brothers. You just roll with it. Why not? You know, again, thank you very much for joining us on Stamper Cinema. We're going to do something a little bit different this time. Normally, whenever we do an episode, we we talk about a movie, right? But this time, we're we're shaking it up. We're actually going to talk about a show. Um, that's right. We're going to be talking about a show that you uh, rather. We are talking about a show that currently is available for streaming on the the Apple Plus um, channel service. Whatever whatever the the correct terminology is these days. What are we going to be talking about? What what's what's the name of the show, John? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso.
1: American. Uh... Coach, he coaches American football, going to coach European English Premier League football. Yeah. We'll yeah crossover, like, mm-hmm. a change of M. Nye
0: Shyamalan. <laughs> ding dong. Yeah. So as John was saying, Ted Lasso is an American sitcom show that was developed by Jason Sudeikis and Brandon Hunt and a couple other guys, Bill Lawrence Uh, Joe Kelly. And it's based on this character, actually, of the same name that Jason Sudeikis played about seven, eight years ago by the by the name of this guy, Ted Lasso. And the overall idea is it focuses on this this American Texan uh, college coach that that gets hired to coach a English premiership team. And it's really funny. Obviously, you have that kind of like that fish out of water take. But what I love about the show, which it, it, I, I love the show in a different way than I love the the commercials, because the commercials were really fun when that was on. Obviously, he, he played a bit of a, a a bit of a buffoon on the television show. He, he's played with a ton of heart. Where on the the commercials that ran on in twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. It was a it was a different type different type of coach, but I'm curious because I've, I have I know we're going to go all over the place with this particular episode because there there's so much to break down. But what what immediately strikes you about about the show Ted Lasso that 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 you want to talk about, John? Ah, well
1: you used the word heart but um, I I thought it hit me as an individual as an American it really kind of uh, as somebody who wants people to enjoy soccer and football and the beautiful game um, it was a great bridge to kind of uh, transition over and to see it in a fun light so um, as somebody who Constantly wants to welcome people to, you know, watch the sport that I really enjoy. I thought this was a. I would say that this little, you know, piece of art is a, a great bridge transition for people to f- watch it. Americans in particular to watch it and kind of laugh at some of the stereotypes, and um, but also kind of learn a bit about the sport.
0: Yeah, I think I think bridge is probably a good good word to use. What what I like about the show, and you know, we'll probably talk about heart quite extensively because the show just has it in in great abundance. But what what what's great about the show is it does have a ton of like, crossover appeal. You like for the listeners, you don't have to like soccer slash football, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to like it at all. You know, you could be completely turned off by it, but still find Plenty of reasons to come back and watch each episode from week to week. This show is as much about football as NBC's The Office is about paper, and I think I think that's really great. At the end of the day, the show is a an office comedy. It's very much like The Office in many ways. Obviously, the the style is different, but the whole the whole idea of the you're just watching a bunch of people that work together and you learn a lot more about their boss. You know, NBC's The Office, you had Jason Scott or the English version, you had David Brent. But on on Ted Lasso, you've got Ted Lasso, and he very much is the driving force behind the show. But there are very, very rich characters beneath the surface on that. And I think as a viewer, I, I, I think... It's great. I think it has a ton of crossover appeal. Now, what I'm curious about, John, is when you first decided to watch this, did you have any like preconceived notions on what you thought the show was going to be? Did you think it was going to be kind of like like those commercials? Or did you think that as you end up finding out that they would go a completely different route with uh, with this type of character
1: no I I think my bar was set pretty low to kind of compare it uh, one of the shows that was pretty good lately was or pretty lately Flight of the Concords. they had a great first mm. season second season wasn't that great but they had a lot to work with with the first season and so going off the commercial I just didn't realize or think that they would have a lot to work with and mm. the show gave me a so like just so much more than I ever thought that the commercials could have. So I went in with low expectations. I'm finishing with high expectations and anybody listens, haven't seen it. I would just say, you know,
0: it's worth watching. It's, um, it's a, it's a good show. It's a, it's a damn good show. I, I, on just a random evening, I, I said, "Yeah, why not? You know, I I enjoyed the commercials. Let me give give it a shot. Let me see what what it's all about." And the pilot hooked me. I mean, it absolutely hooked me. I th- I thought it was great, but but it, it 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 exceeded any type of expectation. I I think. I ever would have had for a show like this. But I think the other thing that works with it is it's coming at a f- just a perfect time, right? For anybody that's listening to this podcast, I think I may make a reference to it at least one once an episode that, you know, we're in 2020 and it's been a pretty bummer year for many people. And there, there's been a lot to be down at, right? You know, whether you're you know, being quarantined or you have a family member that's gotten sick, or you've lost a family member, or maybe you've lost your job or maybe you're bummed out over politics, whatever it is, you know, there's just been a lot of things that have happened. The Atlanta Braves, not, you know, going to the world series, whatever, you know? Um, But what's great about Ted Lasso is this is a genuine, like sincere feel good comedy and And it's fun and it's very refreshing and it doesn't feel that it's, it's trying to like hype, you know, hype up the fact that, Oh, we're just to feel good. It's, this isn't touched by an angel type shit. This show is still very, very witty and very funny, but also incredibly endearing. And maybe that goes to the, goes to the writing. Maybe it goes to Jason Sudeikis who is fantastic or maybe it goes to all the other, great supporting roles that are in the show. And we'll probably talk about the cast in the not too distant future on this episode, but long story short, there, there's just so much to enjoy and I'm willing to bet that chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you haven't seen it. I mean, it's on Apple plus right now, so it's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu or anything like that, but you know, you can get your, your free trial with Apple plus, there's tons of other great content on that, on that streaming service, but give it a shot. I'm telling you, you give it two episodes, watch the first two. And I promise you, you're going to want to watch the rest of the season and, and see how, how the, how the season finishes up. Would you agree with that, John? Uh, Yeah.
1: So I would agree with you. Um, I'm talking to friends of mine who are soccer fans. They. They knew the commercial, so they had that same kind of reservations I had of like, well, what's it really going to be about? And you really got to watch two episodes because the first episode does have some of the same jokes as the commercial. So if you only watch that one, you're like, uh, it's just the commercial. But I think in the first episode, you get enough to know that it's more than that. But to get two, then you're hooked.
0: Yeah. And I think, I I mean, we've kind of given you a brief rundown of the overall plot as an American coach coach coaches English, an English team, but how does he get there? Well, the, the overall backing plot of the show is essentially the, the wife of the owner essentially gets the club in a very, very messy divorce. It's all over the tabloids. The, the owner is was cheating on his wife and the wife basically by like steals the club out from underneath him. And she has this idea that she just wants to ruin the club, take it down. Kind of similar to the, um, the, the owner of the Cleveland Indians in the movie major league, kind of similar in, in that respect that a female owner takes over the club and she just wants to have the club tank. So she hires a American buffoon who. Uh, knows nothing about the game to come over and become the coach for their team. And what is the name of the team, John? Richmond. AFC Richmond is absolutely correct. And do you what? Know... No, please. What? No, you.
1: Uh, do you. Do you know what year they were established? Ooh. Uh, 1992.
0: 1897. 1897. All right. All right. No, I did not know. I, I just threw out a random number. But I do know what their colors are, and I do know what, what what's on their crest. I want an AFC Richmond kit. I know somebody's got to make one of those at, at some point, but I desperately want to have an AFC Richmond kit.
1: I feel like you could buy a patch and buy a Crystal Palace kit. It would be okay.
0: <laughs> it very much looks like the Crystal Palace kit, doesn't it? I think, yeah, they both have the red and blue. I don't know if Crystal Palace have like any yellow trim on it though, like AFC Richmond uh, do. But I can't remember. I can't remember. But I do know that Palace are. It was was the
1: it was the first match in the in the game. I don't know. I I just kind of got the feeling that um, that was probably the filming. Guess, (laughs) Guess, <laughs> but like that, was, but whenever you talk about like, teams battling relegation, Crystal Palace is that team generally every year. And I thought it was, um, it if anybody ever saw the movie, the, the program, they would know that Florida State was the team basically featured in the movie, but it was the uh, Wolfpack, you know, instead of the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, teams are based on different ones, uh, and I would say that this team was somewhat base uh, with their team jerseys on crystal palace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. So, all right. Obviously we're, we're talking about AFC Richmond, this kind of like middle of the table type uh, football team. And within this world of Ted Lasso, you are blessed with some really, really great characters. You've got, you've got Rebecca who is the owner played by Hannah Waddingham and audience uh you would recognize hannah waddingham mm-hmm. as the uh what was her name on game of thrones john what was her name on game of thrones uh Sep-
1: well i don't know if they actually recognize her and i the thing i texted you i think was sansa's septa septa Mordane, but uh septa
0: She was bottom line. She was the shame. uh, So audiences you would recognize or maybe not recognize because she looks completely different, but Hannah Waddingham played the shame, shame uh, woman from game of Thrones. And she's every bit as tall in this as she was on game of Thrones. She's a, she's a big lady. But she is. I was just thinking about how, like, in that,
1: and when I watched Game of Thrones, I was like, oh, certainly one on one, could take her. But I'm like, no, I don't Mm-mm. think so. Like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's got reach. I, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I, I would, I would actually like to see Hannah Waddingham and the actress that played Brienne of Tarth, like, next to each other, because I'm willing to bet they're pretty, they're pretty close in height. I'm pretty sure Hannah Waddingham is like six feet tall and uh, the actress, I can't believe I forgot her name. Game of Thrones has been off for like two years at this point now. So like my memory is going on, on the name of these actors, but Brienne of Tarth and her, I think would be, that would be a good fight. I think that would be a fun fight, but anyway, enough about Game of Thrones. Uh, We'll we'll probably have an episode about Game of Thrones. It always comes back around to Game of Thrones. It really does. It really does. And at some point, I I feel that there is a podcast for us to just do a rewatch of Game of Thrones and maybe like just a season breakdown. But who knows? I don't know. Did you catch
1: the uh, Back to the Future reference in Ted Lasso? When was it? I think it was right after the Everton match. And it was 1980. Who's president in 1980? Ronald Reagan.
0: Ronald Reagan. <laughs> That's a good Beard doc Brown right there.
1: A, Beard does the Doc, doc Brown impression. And, uh, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Coach Beard. So, natural segue to transition on to Coach Beard. Brendan Hunt, who is also one of the, the, uh, the co creators, you'd recognize Brendan Hunt from. Meet the Millers and oh shit. I can't think of another movie, but he's been a buddy of Jason Sudeikis for a while. And they've, they've done a couple things together. Um, and then you've got other people, Brett Goldstein, who, if you watch Derek, he was on that show. And, and then um, myriad of other people that maybe aren't huge names, but are just fantastic. You've got the actor, Jeremy Swift, and he plays this guy Higgins. You've got Phil Dunster who plays Jamie. Um, uh, you've got Nick Mohammed who plays Nathan. Who Nathan was probably my favorite character on the whole show. Actually, I take that back. They're all they're all fantastic, but I did I did love me some Nathan, who was their uh, their 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 equipment guy. Um, and I I feel bad because of the fact that there there's so many things that I want to. Like talk, like do like quotes, but I also want to like toe a very cautious line by not not spoiling too many things about this about this season because I really do want everybody to watch it. But I don't know. Uh, I, I leave this open. John, do you want to take a deep dive into this, or you just want to have like kind of a just an over like gloss of what the what the season was? I I, uh, I defer it over to you. What do you think?
1: Well, Andrew, it's like trying to beat the offside traffic when you're playing against Columbia. You gotta tote that line. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta tote that fat line. You gotta you know, sometimes you gotta go for the Hell Mary. Yeah. You know? But if it doesn't land, it doesn't land if you get caught off, you get caught off. You know? <laughs> so uh I think I think we will be able to talk a lot about the show without giving away the finer details.
0: Yeah, I think um, I, I think that's the way to go. I think that's the way to go, is to just talk about some of the characters and some of the things that happen, maybe a moment that happens within the show that, that explains a little bit about, about these characters without really giving away too much. I feel like I, I really want to talk about the... Uh, The dart scene, which might have been my favorite scene in the whole show it because of it really sums up who who Ted Lasso is, but. You know, like I I don't want I don't want to talk about the finale, I, I want everybody to see how this season ends, but I also kind of want to have predictions what's going to happen next season. So like, I, like I said, I'm really, really torn in both aspects, but I'm going to shut up because I feel I've been talking way more than I normally do with you.
1: Well, let's, uh, (laughs) you sound great though. You're good.
0: (laughs) Thank Um, you. What are you, what are you, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I am drinking a founder centennial IPA. Founders. Nice. It was like that. It was like a, like a 15 pack for like 15 bucks. And I'm like, well, that's a dollar a beer sign me up. So that's, that's what I've got. But I also have, if the conversation goes a little bit longer, I've got the hard stuff. I've got a little, little, little (sighs) scotch. We'll we'll keep that for the second half. There you go. There Uh, you go. Are you drinking anything tonight? I haven't seen you with anything.
1: uh, well, I've been keeping it in a nice Yeti can. Um, I moved on from White Claws to Truly's on the uh, soft burn uh, back in, You know, just something a little spritzer, yeah, like alcohol water, basically.
0: Dude, but, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Truly. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Have you have you had Swell yet? That, that's a straight up like Austin one. There, there's one called Swell, and it's mm-hmm. based right out out of Austin, man. The people that do. Uh, I want to say the people that do Waterloo. I saw Basin. Haven't seen swell,
1: so but I'll I'll check into it. I still gotta you know, you gotta give it the taste. If if a different one's better, you gotta go with a better one, even yeah. if it's from your hometown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um what I was thinking with going through I think we should just talk about the series and try our best to go chronologically. Okay. And uh, just kind of move through it and talk about some of the better points. And I think just starting with the hiring of Ted Lasso like to me as a skeptic you know it's like well how's that gonna work and then in the first episode you find out that you know she was divorced and she wants to take the thing that her husband loved and just destroy it and it was the only basically after watching the episode I feel like yeah okay that explains it you know like that I understand that reasoning it's Not the most logical But it's like I can't imagine There any reason Why anybody would ever Want a team to get relegated And it's like Okay Love love, It makes you do crazy things Mm -hmm. And uh So it's just like Okay So it explained it In the first episode And just So that's just Kind of an overview Yeah But within That episode We meet Nathan Yeah One of the Fun guys Uh Let's start. Let's start with Nathan, you know the kit man. Yeah, I think I would say he's kind of the first guy you really meet, and he's like, "Get off the grass, get off the grass." And (laughs) it's amazing. That's one thing I find fascinating, and and it's just really slow. But pitches and football fields and golf courses—the amount of detail and love that goes into those people who put in the effort, like those. Those grasses or pitches or whatever you want to call it are so good. So mm-hmm. perfect.
0: Dude. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love looking at like, even like baseball fields and baseball stadiums, just mm-hmm. some of the, like the detail, like that, the, like the ground screw like put into it, even just, just even like the like patterns that they put on grass is really freaking cool. And like how they, how they know everything and how they're able to, uh, do some when really you were cool... trying, yeah, go ahead. When you were trying out for the uh,
1: Bermuda national team, <laughs> where, did you, where did you? Where was that tryout held? Was it on
0: like a nice, like the nicest pitch in Bermuda? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the the uh, the pitches I played in Bermuda were. Definitely not of that caliber, but they weren't bad. You know, like actually, no, I take that back. They were pretty terrible. We had some really, really bad pitches when I was, when I was growing up, but I mean, you know, it's, it's what we played on and, you know, I mean, but it's entirely different. I mean, shit, like when I was playing, when I was younger and everything, and I was coming up as a kid, you know, like, their the grass would be kind of patchy, uh, but you watch a premiership game from anything pre 2002, 2001. And there was always like a, like a dirt mound in the, in like the penalty box where like the, where the keepers are and everything like that. So just overall upkeep uh, of pitches became quite frankly, like a serious art in the, in the 21st century. Cause it wasn't always like that, but you, you look at fields now and pitches fields in baseball or uh, pitches within, within football or golf courses. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's an industry in itself. I mean, these aren't just, you know, um, oh God, what was, uh, what was Bill Murray's name in Caddy uh, Caddyshack? Basically, uh, those that like were like that, that tend, uh, the greens aren't, aren't Bill Murray from Caddyshack. I mean, these are people that really, really take a lot of pride in their craft. And I, I would love, I I can't even imagine, but I would love to like kick, to kick a ball on just a real legit like turf, something like at the Emirates where Arsenal play or whatever the name of um, uh, the stadium where Manchester city play, because those both look great or kick a ball on Anfield, um, you know, any one of those, or Old Trafford, where Manchester United play, I mean, just just to kick a ball on one of the pitches there, I think, would just be a really incredible feeling. I had
1: two co-workers who got to play on the Austin FC pitch recently, mm. and it was just fun to ask them about just, like, how, how well the ball rolled, you know, yeah. just, like, all those just it's hard to describe it. I imagine it's like for a car driver, it's just like, you know, just being in the perfect car that goes the right speed and can take the right angles. It's like playing on the perfect pitch. Yeah. Um, maybe if you ever shot pool, like on a perfect uh, table that just mm-hmm. in the felt was just right, no nicks or nothing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tough to describe.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, one thing I did want to talk to you about is I, I feel like while we go through this, we should probably just kind of, uh, have a section for things that may frustrate us within the game that we'll just put to the end um, uh, I guess i trying to think of what you mentioned but um, I, I guess with the overall view of sport of soccer football and those kind of things uh, FIFA and how they would be but there might just be a section we keep at the end for um, an overview talk a big Big issues.
0: Sure. And I think just to save us a little bit of trouble going forward, listener, we we're, we're talking about soccer. We're talking about the beautiful game. We're talking about, you know, football. They're all one and the same, but I think for the the rest of this podcast, I think, I think it's okay for us just to refer to it by football. I think you and I both feel a little bit more comfortable referring to it. I as think so. Football. Yeah, so, I'm good with that. That's yeah. good. It, it, it's It's weird. You know, like, calling calling a sport two different names where everybody refers to it by one name, except for us. And now you are starting to see here in America that, you know, you, the, the, the name of football is starting to finally take hold, you know, and and now a lot of the teams that are coming into MLS, which is major league soccer um, are, are now putting FC as in football club into their name, right? You've got Atlanta United FC, you've got, uh LAFC. You've got Austin Football Club. You've got Charlotte Football Club who's also coming into the league and many, many other teams that, you know, that are that are that are joining and they're they're going back to that FC. So yeah, for this podcast, I think let's just, you know, not have to oh, worry about call anything. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. It, it's football. That's what the, yeah. that's that's what the damn sport was named 150 years ago. Let's just stick with well,
1: it. These are one of those I guess this is an example of a conversation I wouldn't mind having at the end of like, what's oh. football is football. What, you know, people using their feet or is it what Americans call it? Like, yeah. Yeah. But I, I wrote down football and football, by the way, just we'll come back <laughs> around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I mean, my, it, it doesn't matter. You know, we'll, we'll go all over the place. I, I really don't even know. Oh, you know, Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to you because of the fact that you you just did a rewatch on the show as as I recall. So you probably have more more notes and other things that are on your mind. And I'm curious to know what you're thinking, where you wanna see this conversation kind of kind of go. So I'm gonna take a little bit of a, a back seat and let you kind of uh take charge and and kind of, you know, run this bad boy. So what do you think and what what's on your mind when when uh when chatting about ted lasso
1: talking about ted lasso well first thing i would just say is the music's really really good i would say it's right on my alley um i'm a the theme song's done by marcus mumford and there's other mumford and son songs in there but there's also other really good music uh so i just kind of wanted to say i'd give it a 10 on music so and just kind of leave it there
0: i I remember you are a big mumford mumford guy aren't you
1: Yeah, I I really enjoy him. I've been fortunate enough to see him twice here in Austin at ACL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I I think it's something with like growing up, I listened to a lot of um, just folk music and uh, Peter, Paul and Mary with my mom and stuff like that. Just kind of music that was a lot of acoustic. And so Mm -hmm. Mumford and Sons came around and there was nothing in the way of what you'd call alternative rock and roll at that time. Kind of gradually moving from where I was listening to Texas country music to still using acoustic music, but it was just kind of more upbeat and it was a little more, um, I, I, would almost want to use soulful, but it's, hmm. you wouldn't call it soulful because it's like Anglo-Saxon, but, uh, it, there was just that folksy kind of beat to it. So Munford and said over the past years has just been great to me. So music was Fantastic!
0: Yeah. What was the first uh, record? What was your first record that uh, somebody bought you?
1: Somebody bought
0: me, not mm. a gift
1: or something I inherited from a family member. Right. Uh, it would be Sino Moore, Mumford and Sons' first album. And it would be given to me on my birthday. That would have been my, I'm going to go with 30, 32nd birthday. Hmm. Uh, maybe thirty third. But Andrew Stamper gave me that record. Hey, I,
0: that's right, man. I have
1: I have listened to it so many times. Yeah. Um, it's probably gonna. You know, when you get when you get a record, you build right. Do you, how many, do you have any idea how many records you actually
0: own? Um, no, no. But if I were to, I don't, honestly, I don't have as many as I would like, but the biggest reason just comes down to like sheer space, right? Like I'll fill up, fill up like a cabinet. And so I have to be very selective if, if, because the record is large. Right. And, you know, if I only have like three inches of, of space on, on a shelf, then I have to be very selective with, you know, what albums I'm going to put onto that shelf because, you know, when it's full, then I have to find a new home for my records. And it, it, it's a weird problem to have. And it's maybe it's a good problem to have, but if I were to just arbitrarily guess, I don't know, maybe 250, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm going to say approximate 250. And um, yeah, it, It's, um, and you know, we're, I, I, it's all, it's still all related to Ted Lasso. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about mother and son, so it's kind of, kind of connected, but I, I got into collecting, well, shit, I've always been into vinyl. My, my father was a big, uh, music junkie and he had a record player as a kid. And I would listen to his old, uh, Black Sabbath or Uriah Heap or, flipping the script entirely Bob Marley and Jimmy Cliff records. And, and uh, I, I, I loved it. I, you know, and he, when he got over vinyl, he bought, bought cassettes and then he bought DVD uh, CDs real early, but vinyl was something that, that I really enjoyed. I, I think artwork was a big, a big reason. I, I love the artwork on, on vinyl. I also love the idea of kind of, you know, flipping records. I thought that was kind of cool but so my as far back as i can remember i've always been a big vinyl fan i wouldn't consider myself a complete like audiophile like where i have real high tech record players which i would love to do i mean mine in most audiophile would completely like scoff at the at the record player that i use but you know it, it's i think it's pretty so that that's why i've got it but to answer your question five minutes later, uh, about 250 records is whatever. <laughs> nice.
1: Well, I've gotten uh, second thoughts about building a record collection after that. But if I do the cornerstone will still be sign on more. You know, get all the Muffersons, get all the Pro Jams, then do the grunge movement. Yeah. Just keep, you know, picking up one. Uh, artwork is great when i think about records i think about my father's early ones where i can remember albums from the eagles or boston right uh just leonard skinner troupe was just a photo of them, but just like iconic you know just looking they just look cool the music was fantastic Mumford sons did a great job mm-hmm. or marcus Mumford did um and so i just wanted to make a small note <laughs> to say that the music was really good in this show <laughs> Uh but I, I am really intrigued to hear stories of you listening to Bob Marley on a record out in, you know, out on a beach somewhere. That sounds pretty cool.
0: I mean there, there there's not really uh too much of a, a story to share. It's just I I I loved I loved records and I, I, I love music. And I think a lot of that comes from a lot of who I am really does come from, from my father. Well, I mean, I get a lot from my mother as well, but my father loves movies. My father loves music. My, my father loves football, you know, and all of those things are three of my biggest passions. And all three of those take me back to a very specific time growing up in Bermuda, you know, and I've spent, I probably spent the same amount or close to the same amount of time in Bermuda as I did Florida. But when I think of my childhood, I almost never think of Florida. It just, it it doesn't, I I don't necessarily have any, any sense of nostalgia there. It was just a place that, a place that I lived in between, (laughs) in between place, uh, in between those visits to Bermuda that really shaped who I am as a person. But yeah, um, Bob Marley's Exodus is probably my favorite Bob Marley album. Um, my father also had an original pressing of Sergeant Pepper's. So I've got that, you know, so circa 1967, I want to say Sergeant Pepper's was, so I've got a record upstairs that is what 50, 53 years old. Yeah. Like I, I love vinyl and I love music and for Ted Lasso, I know that you are a huge Mumford fan. I remember having a conversation with you many years ago. We were talking about, like, if you could see any, like, any band, you know, living, mm-hmm. you know, n- living your head, Top five. Top five. Uh, Mumford was on, was on your list. And I remember giving you, like, a little shit at the time or whatever, because I had just dropped, like, Prince and David Bowie. But, uh, like, both of which were, like, were dead. <laughs> also...
1: Also, really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, also They're really good. Very
1: good singers. I I don't think Prince was dead at that time. Sadly enough, rest in peace, Prince and David Bowie. Uh But no, I I understand and I understand the shit you gave me. Uh, but it was out of love. But, but music, it, it is it is fun. I mean that I think one of the things within football and the core feature of this show is like you you razz each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the best out of each other. You know, you bring, you create the conversation or the. Become the devil's advocate uh but I remember that conversation and um it's fine it it's, football is about timing and mm-hmm. being in the right spots at the right time and, and at that time in my life I think music works the same way it's where Mumford and sons like they talk a lot about love being in relationships out of relationships I was in my I'm started so listening and I think something you no know, more came out probably when I was around 22. 35 now 12 years Mm -hmm. it's like that's a lot of uh, you go through a lot of relationships or just family building bonding through those times I go back and listen to the other guys on the list was Mm approaching and whenever I go back and where I was a huge fan of ten. Now when I go back, was it a 10? Not my favorite album. I like Phytology. I like verses. I like these other stories of him going through relationships and building family. Mm-hmm. And I think, depending on when you hear a song and where you're at in life, then uh, it can change it. But Muffin & Sons has been great. Pro Jam has been great. Other bands I want to see live right now, today, alive. We'll just save that for the back half of the
0: show. If anybody wants to stick around for that <laughs> top. Fair <laughs> top. Enough. Uh. All right. Yeah, you, you're making a note. Top five. All right. Um, <laughs> this is fun. And I, I love having you on because of the fact that we'll, we'll obviously talk about the show, but you and I, I think, have such a rich history between the two of us. What the listeners don't know is obviously, you know, we're, we're chatting through this podcast, but John and I do this all the time. With with or without a podcast, we will chat. You've got two grown ass men that will talk on the phone, and we'll talk on the phone for you know over an hour, and we will go all over. John is great because he'll like he'll have a list of like things I want to talk to Andrew about, and he'll he'll ask me these questions. Hey, what what's five on this, that, or the other? And it's been that way since since we met seven approximately seven years ago at this point I I want I want to say so this while this is a podcast this is just honestly very much just a natural conversation that John and I have and it's fun I enjoy it so but to bring it back to Ted Lasso unless you want to add anything uh, else into that little segment there you you mentioned that you love the music what is next on on your list of things that you wanted to cover on Ted Lasso
1: uh, let's go down to the characters. We talked about Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Higgins, her right-hand man, and the kind of conflict he had to go through. Because I think he is that character who kind of builds in every character. Nathan, we learn later, but let's just kind of go through the hierarchy of the, of the team. So we talked about the president. Let's talk about the director of football, Higgins. Yeah,
0: so you have your director of football, Higgins, and he was... Really, the the right hand man of the previous owner. He obviously cares a lot about the club. He cares a ton about the club, but he wasn't necessarily loyal to, you know, to the um, to so um, not though. loyal yeah. to Rebecca. He knew about the affair that was going on. He didn't say anything. Now, I mean, that raises other questions. We, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, as we spoke about how. Rebecca wants to destroy the club. Higgins throughout most of the season is her right-hand man and hides it, just as for her husband who divorced her for cheating. He also went through that as kind of a director of football, hiding the relationships and the cheating scandal. So he he is very – he's a right-hand man. He is one to overlook things. Uh, But his character grows into – if it's not Nathan, him, there's so many who just grow throughout the episodes. And you like that of uh, likable characters, real uh, well-rounded family man. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, Higgins is great. And he is a great family man. Obviously, he, he's a flawed character because he was hiding a lot of things from, from the owner's wife. But I think Higgins thinks team, you know, thinks club first. And... You know, maybe he looked at it wasn't his place to say anything. In hindsight, he realizes he he was wrong. But I think Higgins is very much a sympathetic character in the end and very, very likable. That's the other thing. There are very few characters on the show that you that you root against, save for the owner who we'll we'll, uh, we'll get to, I imagine, shortly, but. I liked Higgins. I was a fan of Higgins. Rebecca, we aren't. We're in, we're initially not supposed to like her, right? We we find out that she's hired, The whole reason that she's hiring Ted Lasso is to to ruin a club. And she doesn't believe in Ted Lasso. She thinks he's going to fail, and she kind of stands in his way and and plots things to make the team fail. So initially, she's a you know a form of antagonism. But as the show progresses you grow to love Rebecca and admire her and really, really respect her. And she's great. But so you have those people behind the scenes. You've got the, the, the actual owner of, of uh, AFC Richmond. Um, I can't remember his Rupert. Pardon me. Rupert, Rupert Manning. Oh, that was, that was his character. I couldn't remember his character. All I remembered was he was Giles from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's really the only thing I could remember is every time I saw him, I'm like, that's fucking Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But he's a, you know, just a, a well-to-do Englishman that he he loves his club and loves, uh, you know, loves cheating on his wife and just loves being a despicable person. And there's really not much... At least in season one, to find very redeeming about his character. But those are the people behind the scenes. You also have, no, before I talk about Keely, I want to talk about the players and a couple players in, in key. I really want to talk about Jamie Tart and I really want to talk about Roy Kent, because I think those are probably the, the two best written players uh, from a character perspective on the show. So, first, let's talk Jamie Tart. What do you think about Jamie Tart? Jamie, Jamie, um, not
1: likable. Yeah, <laughs> I. You talked about likable characters, and I know what they did, and I, I understand, but they're. I, I didn't find him likable at all. Um, he, he he's a superstar diva, and he the actor did a great job of play, playing him. Mm-hmm. Um. It, <laughs> I guess I, I, I do enjoy the fact that, you know, you got to have a bit of an antagonist and he, he is that one. And one of the things I do like about the show is they do introduce a lot of things that happen within football and the character, Jamie Tart, is on loan. Right. And he's not playing, he's going to go back to Manchester City. And so that's one of the things they dealt with within the show. And one thing that we don't have in American sports are loans. And I just think that. Within the sport of football that makes it better than I think any others is the fact that you can't loan people, sell players, uh, the business side.
0: So for the listeners, a couple things to break down from what John mentioned in in world football, they have a thing called loans. And a loan is, for example, to flip flip the script and we'll, we'll talk about use it using baseball. Say you are a player for the Atlanta Braves but the Atlanta Braves have an excess of pitchers, right? So in your starting rotation, you've got five pitchers, but you know what? You've got another, you've got another pitcher that, you know, is legit, but you just don't have room for him, but you don't want to get rid of him, you know, long-term because he, he can be very valuable to your squad. So you loan him out to the San Diego Padres for a year, knowing that he'll be able to uh, play in regular games. He'll get that experience. And then when the season is over, he's able to come back to the Atlanta Braves. So that is something that, that they do in world football. And, and it, it's great, you know, it, it, it allows the professional time to develop and, you know work on their craft but also allows a team to find another way to be financially lucrative you know and not piss away a, a an investment so you've you've got that they call it a loan the other thing that i want to mention is regarding the player jamie tart jamie tart is this young up-and-coming english stud he's technically a Manchester City player, but he gets loaned out to AFC Richmond and he knows he's the best player on the club because of the fact that Manchester City are a top tier team and AFC Richmond are, you know, um, a struggling club at that. So he's kind of like a, a big fish in a small pond kind of mentality. But what what is interesting about him Actually, what's interesting about him isn't really even about him. It's Ted Lasso because Ted Lasso, his whole thing is he loves coaching, right? He's this American coach. And we've kind of glossed over the fact that he was a football coach and he was hired to fail. That doesn't exist really in the world of Ted Lasso as a man. He He's just a good coach and he, he, he cares about developing human beings, you know, men, um, you know, from, you know, whether it, good talent, basically, he he's all about helping that player find their inner self. And those are things that are valuable to him. And through Ted Lasso's coachings and wisdom, Jamie Tart learns something about himself and and, and and that is refreshing. So even a character that you loathe very much throughout the show, because Ted Lasso has an effect on literally everybody, he has an effect on 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 Jamie Tart. And um, but I'm not going to say what without like spoiling anything. But I wanted to talk a little bit ab- about that briefly about the, the character Jamie Tart. Now the the Yang to Jamie Tart yin would obviously be Roy Kent. Now who's Roy mm-hmm. Kent? <laughs> Roy
1: Kent is the elder statesman. He's the captain of the team. He's been there. He's done that. He rubbed me the wrong way initially <laughs> when I found out he was a Chelsea player. Uh, so, um, but every, teams are all, always made up of dynamics In championship. Good teams are always made up. There's usually a. A youthful person who's on the rise, and there's usually somebody who's been there and done that who can study the ship. Um, and that's just two out of 11 people, uh, especially at five that's what they call it. spine. But uh, those are the two kind of feature characters within the football club who are you know leading them to be an average mm-hmm. once again in the season. Uh, between them, there's a girl named Keely. Mm-hmm. And no lie, when I heard Roy was from Chelsea, my first thought was he's going to sleep with Keeley <laughs> behind Jamie's back.
0: Has <laughs> that happened in real life?
1: Uh, for Roy or for a Chelsea player? <laughs> for a Chelsea player. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, you know, it happens within football sometimes. but yeah. uh, You know, and, and within real life. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, sadly enough. Uh, But no, um, yeah, I'm poking fun at the uh, John Terry situation where he slept with his own teammates' wife, girlfriend, wife.
0: Um, um, I can't believe I forgot the name. Uh, He was the guy that scored like the the um, the goal against Arsenal that knocked us out of the Champions League in 2004. Uh, I I see it. I see his fucking face. Uh
1: Looking back now, does it make you feel any better than John Terry? (laughs) <laughs> John Terry railed his wife yeah makes me feel better no. <laughs> no. yeah Wayne Bridge we didn't knock us out of the cup <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's terrible terrible
0: <laughs> terrible but fuck them both
1: yeah man. Uh, but yeah that, that was one of my first immediate thoughts uh, one of the cutest first scenes in the first episode was whenever he's leaving the locker room And he's kind of putting up his own things and he puts up a sign that says believe, but he makes a little correction in Jamie's locker. That's when we meet Keely. And um, it's, it's just a fun, cute little scene of nice people.
0: Yeah. So um, the actress, and I apologize, John, I just cut you off. I I, I'm sorry. You were just mentioning Keely. And I just wanted to let listeners know the actress that plays her is an actress by the name of Julie, uh, Juno temple. And Juno Temple has been in my mind since uh, what 2007 2008 since the movie Atonement which that's the movie that that just has fucked me for life that movie is well one the movie is really good the music is fantastic the editing is act, uh, fantastic the editing the acting is fantastic everything is really really good but her role in atonement is pretty important to the overall plot of what happens in the movie so when I see her as an adult I go back to I go back to her what 12 13 years ago and um, just uh, this character wait is my mouth right is or am I getting her wrong with it, mistaken with I might edit all this out but hold on 99 oh nine. No, that's right. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm having a little sidebar in my own head, but yeah. So her, her character was pretty, pretty important to the overall plot of atonement. But anyway. I think about her from uh, Batman,
1: uh, Dark Knight Rises. It's just a quick little scene, but basically Anne Hathaway, like tosses per this guy's wall. She was, um, she working him over and, you know, things got, uh, physical and or whatever, but it's just a small little scene. But she was, you know, the one in Hathaway Wake Out woman was kind of looking after a little bit on the streets.
0: Oh, cool. You,
1: you get this one, she just throws a
0: little wash. She's like, ah, oh. anyways. I remember that. I didn't, I, I completely forgot that she was in that.
1: Yep. Tension, we're building in that, but we'll talk about somebody, you and maybe somebody else will talk about Batman one day. Yeah. But, you know, okay, so we've, after that, are there any, would you say there's any other players worth mentioning on the team? Isaac, maybe he becomes captain a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, there are other players on the team. Uh, the 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 South American player w- was great too, but I I, mm, I, I feel, yeah. but I feel that That's like the the two players that we really focus on, at least on the first season, are Roy Kent and Jamie Tard. You know sam sam was the other one sam is a good call out um but yeah i think i think we need to spend a moment and talk about coach beard though okay yeah i like that yeah so coach beard is in for american terms sees your 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 quintessential assistant coach and coach beard is is great because of the fact that he, he, he's a little bit of a Renaissance man in many ways. You know, he, he knows a little bit about everything and it, it, it's, it's really funny, but he's also very subtle and he, I'm not going to say he's a foil to, to coach Lasso, but, and he's not like a, like another side of the coin, but he compliments, I, th- I think he he's like that. He basically he's like the mashed potatoes to the, to the steak, right? If, if Ted Lasso is your steak, coach Beard's the mashed potatoes because they, they really go like hand in hand. They are, they're a great partnership. Would you agree with that? And Nathan would be the gravy. If Nathan would be the gravy. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> nah, but I, I
1: understand like, cause the, Ted Lasso is oh. outgoing and talks a lot. And it, it, so he's the other side. So Jay and Simon Bob, right? So right. Bob doesn't talk so much. Jay does. Yeah. Um, but Beard talk we talked a bit about scenes, but Beard had the great scene whenever he has to bench Kent at one point in the season. Mm-hmm. And it's a nonverbal scene, but you know, kind of goes through, hey, talk to him. This happened, this happened, this happened. But I do think it's a great acting just Because, like, you can actually, I think you can see it in the eyes and little subtle details of him being the only show, little snippets of his face was like little happy, little sad, mm-hmm. little happy, little sad, but they're very subtle. That's another thing within the show, there's a lot of little subtle things that happen. One of the other little subtle things I really liked was there's a part where they go to a karaoke bar in Everton, and um, Rebecca, the boss, sings Let It Go, mm-hmm. and you get this. Quick little shot of Roy Kent in the background. One of the good things to know about Roy, you might want to know, is he has a niece, and that's probably like his love of the show or, you know, the person he cares about most. But if you have a, you know, six year old niece, you may have seen Frozen. Yep. And Rebecca's singing the Frozen song, and you get this nice this nice little shot of Roy just in the background and he's just worthing it. He's not singing it, but he's just like yeah. saying the words <laughs> to it. And <laughs> it was just like, that's one of those little details. That I was like, way to go. I don't know. Apple TV or producers, directors, but there are a lot of scenes that I really appreciate in the show. Like
0: that. Yeah. Like that one. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a really, really great call out. And Maybe, you know, maybe now we transition into like some scenes that that we think about that I think are, are OK to talk about, because I don't think they necessarily spoil anything. I mentioned it earlier, but the dart scene is just pure. It, it's pure gold and. For the viewers, if you're if you're if you're listening right now, you can hop on YouTube. You can type in Ted Lasso darts, and you get I think like the full like four minute scene. I haven't watched it, but while John was talking, I pulled up just to see if it was available because it's it's it, it it's great writing. It has a great reveal. It has a great nice little turn in it. And as a viewer, you have an idea of where this is going to go because of the fact that by the time this episode comes around you've learned not to underestimate Ted Lasso you've earned you, you've learned that there's a lot more than meets the eye and you you still have that moment where maybe it's not going to work out the way that you want it to but just the the delivery and the editing and Jason Sudeikis is still uh just his comedic timing it's it's so fulfilling of the good guy you know getting one over like over the asshole and it it just for me it was it was just a very very like fulfilling scene but also important because he wasn't doing it for himself he 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 did something for somebody else and was you know um Selfless,
1: selfless. He was doing a selfless act. A lot of characters he's very selfless. Yeah. Um he was doing it for Rebecca and as we mentioned, she's she's the person trying to bring the team down. So when he does something selfless, especially for her, yeah, it just means all that much more. Yep. Yeah.
0: The other thing is I did like the little like nod to the Princess Bride that they do with like the whole like left handed thing, I think was have you ever seen Princess Bride like was like So I I I, I missed that. Well, the, I'm, I I'm, the not like, I'm, bride reference. I'm not left-handed. Like so, like in the Princess Bride. Oh gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, but oh man, I totally forgot. I'm not left-handed. Yeah, so wow. a little, a little Easter egg for you there. But what about you? Any, any like key scenes in the show from the first season that 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 you think of? That
1: practice, practice episode six. Practice and it is on there. And anybody of my age, especially American demographic, would understand practice. I'm talking about practice. We're talking about
0: practice?
1: Practice. It is I love how they let this theme play out because it is hilarious. And then right at the point that you realize it's serious, there's a there's a subtle thing that I, I don't know, the director does or whatever, or the camera but they tilt the camera just like ever so slightly. But in that scene, all of a sudden you get this tilted camera where like Jamie's a little bit lower and Ted's a little bit higher. And I think it just kind of like, it's like you get the, vi- the visual along with him just going like bearing down on him. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about practice and he's letting into him and he's right. Um, you want any manager telling your player like you're, you're supposed to be the best. I don't want to sell too many lines, but I mean, we're talking about practice. Like you're supposed to be out there. You know, you're the franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to be better than that. And where you're sitting here cause you're hurt cause you're hurt, man. And I think it's, I think it's great. I, I don't know anybody who's they think is trying to play it off with, t- tell that hurt player to go set up cones. Yeah. Uh, it, that's one of those common sayings within su- our football. It's just like, you know, he's setting up cones mm-hmm. you hear about, players who are riding the bench are doing they're setting up cones and that scene in particular i i man i thought that was the best scene of the the whole show nice
0: nice i like that now um what i want because uh, to kind of get into because we've been we've been talking about it for quite some time but the the character of ted lasso obviously he he embodies something bigger than just a coach, right? This is just a genuine good person and he's dealing with his own stuff, right? We, we learned part of the reason why he took this job is he needed a bit of an escape. You know, uh, he was dealing with some issues within his own marriage and, you know, it taking on this role at AFC Richmond, presented a new opportunity for him. And it also allows the viewer just another, another way to empathize with his character and, and see that, you know, life is hard even for somebody as genuine and sincere and sweet and admirable or admirable as Ted Lasso. Things don't work out even for the biggest of optimists out there. And it's sad, you know, but I think, I think it was necessary, but when I think of Ted Lasso to kind of transition into this kind of like statement, you've got somebody that just believes in you wholeheartedly, you know, anybody that, whether, whether it's a player or whether it's a peer, you know, he, he believes in the other person. And that is so freaking awesome. When I think of like, when I think of bosses that I've had, and in, in my life, I, I, I wish there were, I, I wish I had more Ted lassos, you know, that, that were just, you know, that, that had that same type of vibe where that they were, that they, they had all the confidence and the faith in you and they, they knew how to motivate you the, the right way. And, you know, I, I think that's just maybe part of the reason why I love this show as well is Just what Ted Lasso represents as an individual and as a coach and as a leader, those those are he 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 takes on many traits that that in a perfect world I would love to have I I I don't I I don't have those uh, that type that specific skill set but I love it and it's fun to watch him navigate uh, you know from from his players from one episode to the next or even, you know, his his colleagues and, you know, he, he's playing some like 4D chess while everybody else is playing checkers when it comes to like a motivation aspect and it's fun and it, it it's really enjoyable. And I guess the question I have for you, John, I do like, by the way, I do like this whole like three minute monologue before I get to my question apparently. But my question to you, John, is do you, do you find coach Lasso, Ted Lasso, as admirable as as I do, you know what are some things that what, you know, what appeals to you from like his his persona Uh,
1: Socrates once said don't judge a man by his answers, judge him by his questions, so I judge you a lot man three minute question, (laughs) pretty good (laughs) pretty high (laughs) Uh, uh, Tell Lasso, Gossip optimist um, when I look at Ted Lasso I see a lot of similarities I think when I look at all the characters on the show and maybe I just do this because I thought I was Jon Snow but apparently I was the Hound on Game of Thrones but um, <laughs> but when I watch the show I, I think I'm, I'm a Ted Lasso uh, like I, I want to go and I want to be positive. I just want to create the perfect environment. What scares me is when you said like somebody who believes in you, it's like, sometimes I wonder now when I go into work is being positive enough is being positive, actually believing in somebody. It's, it's nice enough to just say, Hey, good job. But believing in somebody is a little bit different. So I guess one of the things I just took from your what you just mentioned was just the idea of like, there's a difference between being positive and believing in somebody. And whenever I go back into work, I want to take the belief with me. Uh, You know, hope is the thing that kills you. They say, Um, but when you watch the show, who do you identify with most?
0: Um, I, I don't know. See, identify is a tricky, is a tricky word because I don't know if I necessarily identify with anybody yet, but I see people that I know in this, in the show. And while I don't necessarily see myself, at least not yet, and maybe, maybe there, there's something to be said that, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, I'm kind of Jamie Tart ish um, but um just from like from a, I, I was cocky when I played, you know. Like so, from a performance, you know, from for, for, uh, from a performance aspect, I was kind of cocky on the pitch, and I was a striker, and I wanted the ball, and I wanted to play make and do all the, all you know, I, I wanted the highlight reel. But I watch this show because I see I see people I know in this, and you said that you see a lot of t- uh, Ted Lasso and yourself, and I agree. I've even said that to to Catherine that. Ted Lasso, there, there's a lot of John Rowe in there, but I also see a lot of Coach Beard in you as well. You are a little bit of a hybrid of of Coach Beard and 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 Coach Ted Lasso, and this isn't me just trying to blow a little smoke. I, Catherine and I have had this conversation when I watched this, when it blew me away a month, two months ago, whatever it was when I first turned this on. And she's like, what'd you think of the show? Cause she had fallen asleep because, you know, uh, you know, it it was late and I literally watched, it was late late and I watched like six episodes in one evening, but she's like, what'd you think? I'm like, "I, I, I loved it. And she's like, oh, cool. I'm like, yeah, it, it, it felt like I was watching John Rowe on TV for like three hours And it was cool because of the fact that I really and, you know, maybe it doesn't hurt that he's a Texan, you're a Texan, you know, but you're both you're both extremely positive. And when we work together, though, those are some of the takeaways that that I had, I whether you know, whether we were working in the, the same store or if it were Wednesdays and I came to visit you every time I left left the room. I felt good. Like I accomplished something, but it wasn't maybe because of something I taught you. It was because of the, w- the way that you were positive. It made me feel good about myself, you know? And, well, if anybody wants to know a, a secret
1: about talking to management, talk about what they want to talk about. <laughs> Not, I mean, I'd find out, I mean, we were just having fun. Yeah. And, and I never used you, but with other managers, I would talk about what they want to talk yeah. about. <laughs> but uh, and I hope this doesn't make you feel bad, but it's not just you. It's most friends. And it's just the way my mind yeah. works. Like whenever I hear or see something, I just file it into. I got I got to send that person that message. I got to tell that person that thing. One thing I really liked in the show, and I wish I, if I ever do a rewatch, maybe I'll do this, but count the hugs there's so many times where somebody's giving somebody a hug in this show and really go through COVID times. Like I think a lot of people want physical contact and to get a hug. And that's one thing that I really kind of shot to me. And if I ever did a rewatch, it might actually count it, but, um, a lot, of, a lot of good scenes of caring and, you know, being there for each other. And I, I thought, I guess we're just going to talk a broad overview of a lot of the good scenes, a lot of the best scenes. And it was somebody giving each other a hug. And we talked about it being about family. and um, I guess a part of it is like being a part of a team isn't always about, like you know, you, you have your family at home, but there's also your family at work your family on the team and I think that's what this show was the workplace family you mentioned it being like the office is the workplace family and uh, how do y'all get along and when I talk about being positive I and mean, you talk about coming to the show you know come talk to me about you know work and you know this that the other and I just want to have a fun conversation you know like uh, I look at that team building you know like there's, there's got to be time for that too and that's the way I think dead last would see it is, uh,
0: you know, you got to have time for the small things, the little things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing about being a, a good coach or a good leader is having those hard conversations. And uh, Ted Lasso doesn't – if there's a weakness to Ted Lasso, I, I would say it's that, you know, is he he doesn't like to have – like to have the, the hard conversations because of the fact that – he has so much faith and confidence in, in his team and so much belief in them that even when they're failing, he, he glosses over it a little bit, you know, because he, he just, he, he's such an optimist that he he fails to recognize when someone's struggling. So that that's, that's kind of, kind of interesting. And it, it's, it's a, something else that maybe you could you could draw a parallel with it like within his marriage his relationship that he he doesn't see failure until until the very end you know like he you need he doesn't believe he, he he believes yeah he won't yeah he doesn't believe i guess would be his key
1: word he, the last one, one word is believe right uh but uh and yeah, the, the relationship and his, him and his wife end up getting divorced within the show through relationship. But uh, it, you know I thought that that was a, I thought the way they shot that was so good because you also had a, another Mumford and Sons song that went along with it. But um. You know, it's like figuring out the I guess in a way within that episode They had to figure out the word to accept How they would leave each other Like it, it had to be like It couldn't just be you, me They tried everything they could He flew halfway across the world uh, 4,326 miles <laughs> uh, But, uh, you know They they they, figured, they tried whatever they could And it, it's just a great scene within the show um, and it really set up a lot, man. Because there's, I guess, dealing with stress was one of the, the small things he had to deal with after that. Like if, like dealing with his divorce, then dealing with the stresses of it afterward would be the next thing he had to deal with. Um, which I really appreciated the show for having for taking on a hard issue of stress and how it can bring you down. And uh, luckily for Chad, there wasn't somebody there who was able to pick him up and I uh, give him a hug and, you know, help him out. Um, so I, I the formula, to, to use the word like formula, the formula to the show. And I think we have a hard time because it's, it's 10 ap- or 10 episodes, five hours. That's kind of what I'm figuring out. It's like, it's a big, it's a big venture that we're going on, but uh, the formula within that five hours is is real
0: well done. It's a nice cocktail. Yeah, it's a nice cocktail. I agree. Um, so I think that's a natural segue into talking about one of the things that I do every episode, and that's letting the audience know what the critics think. Well, currently on Rotten Tomatoes, season one had an eighty-eight percent approval rating, which is really strong. But even better than that from an audience score, again, these are people that watch the show, 98%. That's 98%. That's not bad. That's not bad. So those that watch the show, 98%. That is, that's pretty ridiculous. Shoot, I haven't even voted. I haven't even voted and I've seen it twice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, it's... There is so much to like, and you know this has been just a brief introduction to the show without really giving too much away. There's so much John and I want to talk about that we're we're, we're not going to. We'll you know yeah. you know maybe after season two uh, we can we can we can deep dive a little bit uh, and talk about the what we missed on season one, but or maybe or maybe come like March when you guys have all had way too much time to watch the show and if you hadn't then fuck y'all anyway we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it i don't know but we if i can do if i if i could say a little summary about the show this is a, a just a real genuine feel good show and quite frankly it's the perfect antidote to 2020 2020 hasn't really offered a ton of optimism in anything, you know. There, there's been it's been a bleak year, and I don't think I'm, you know, um, crazy for for saying that. But Ted Lasso is the exact opposite of that because in a crazy and sad time, he offers immense hope and optimism and belief, and it's refreshing. And as stated before, you don't have to be a fan of football to enjoy the show, you know? I think, and John said it in, uh, in a conversation to me, in five hours of television, there's maybe three minutes of, uh, of of football that you're that you're really truthfully exposed to. At the end of the day, you're, this is a show about people. They just all happen to work for a a football club and that's, that's, that's the world behind this. So highly encourage it. I, I rate this show. I'm trying to figure out if I rate it eight or nine out of 10, it's not perfect. There are a couple little things about the show that maybe I would tweak, but from a heart aspect, it's 11 out of 10. This show has nothing but heart and it has a strong rewatch factor and the characters on it are really great, but Jason Sudeikis. I loved him on SNL and he's long been one of my, my favorite comedic actors, but I think the role of Ted Lasso is his, his best character that he's had to date. And it's so much better than those really, really funny commercials on NBC uh, that he, that he had for a couple of years, which I thoroughly enjoyed those, but this Ted Lasso is a different Ted Lasso than, than those commercials. And, it's such a rich, uh, such a rich character. So I wanted to kind of close with that, but I want John an opportunity to give any kind of like final thoughts on the show.
1: Well, yeah, I hope we like the feedback uh, or having like time after that character was developed to develop an actual character. I got to imagine coming from SNL, the Wayne's world, these ideas of getting these people who they could have. And hopefully we don't have a one, one hit wonder. Uh, and they get relegated and we never get to see it again. Yeah. Um but as for some of the like I guess a little tip best, you know, quick fire kind of stuff. Do you know what the Richmond club's motto was? Gradius firmus Victoria Pacer? No. Well um it basically Gradius Firmus Victoria Pacer just kind of like on the wall, I guess mm-hmm. In the background Gradually going step by step And one of the last parts of Ted Lasso's speech In his one of his last speech He goes onwards, forwards And I think that's kind of One of the cool tie-ins I saw I saw a lot of cool tie-ins with the glove And how they brought it in With the way he talked And and Stuff. Um, uh, that was about it. I mean, going to like uh, the back end of things we've gone over. I earlier we had football versus football. We've you know established we, we're allowed to just call it football. I heard you say I love music, and I was curious what
0: movie. Uh, I'm
1: sorry. I heard you say earlier this podcast, I Love Music, and I was curious, what movie was that from? What, I Love Music? I Love Music. Um, sorry, I was going with um, Almost
0: Famous. Like, I'm a golden god. No, tell them. I Love Music. Oh, you know, like, admittedly, I need to watch Almost Famous again. I enjoy the movie, but... It probably has been close to 20 years since I've seen it, and I love Cameron Crowe uh, movies, but ev- really 20 years? I would think that movie would be right up your alley. And like I said, I, I need to watch it again, but I think the part, I think honestly the the reason why I haven't seen that movie as much as I probably should have is that movie came out in a a, a, um, a complicated time in my life and okay and i i really don't want to say anymore it was just a you know and um so a lot of things that happened in the years 2000 and 2001
1: no no andrew stop stop we can leave
0: this
1: for anybody who wants to watch Last week, season two mm. we'll just we'll just drop this little nugget of information if they come back to the podcast next year there you go
0: perfect all right sounds good 2002 though huh yeah i'm intrigued yeah yeah but i love uh, cameron crowe movies you know jerry Maguire is is great uh obviously you 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 know how much i love singles um and uh say anything again i don't i really don't need to spell spell out how much i enjoy cameron crowe's work but almost famous i I need to go back and watch it again it's 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 been it's been too long like i said it just came out in a complicated time all right well i guess now is as good of a time as any to wrap this uh this present on up and and send it out to the world. So, final, final closing thoughts, my dear friend. Uh, go out and buy something
1: that involves Apple, because if you buy something, you get a year free uh, subscription on an Apple TV. So, if you have a chance, you know, if you don't have money, I obviously don't do this, but like if you can, go out and buy like a nice little laptop or an you know, Apple phone or something like that. Because if you do that, you can get a subscription for free, and then you can watch Apple TV, and then you can actually watch this show. And it's worth watching. It's been one of the best ones I've seen uh, since lockdown. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, yeah, uh, I think it's worth watching. Um, that would just watch two a night. That's that's what I would say.
0: You know, drag it out. If you know, drag it out. Watch two and nine. Yep. I think that's a great idea. That's what I would say. Uh, the other thing I would encourage listeners to do, if you don't have Twitter already, um, do yourself a favor and get Twitter because Ted Lasso has a Twitter page and it is a lot of fun to follow Coach Lasso on Twitter. So I encourage you to do that. And also if you get Twitter, then you can follow me. You can find me at Stamper Cinema on, on Twitter. But uh, that is something I would add to it. Again, as if John and I haven't stressed enough over this past hour and and change, this is a real, real fun show. It's funny, but it has a a ton of heart, and I I think you're going to love it. I really do. I think you're really going to enjoy the show. 88% of critics think so, 98% of those that have given it a shot thoroughly enjoy the show, so check it out. Ted Lasso, it's available on Apple plus right now. And as John said, if you uh, get a brand new Apple product? You get a year subscription onto Apple plus. So boom, I think this has been a good episode. I think we've talked a little bit about the show, but left enough out to not spoil the show. And for the listeners, I've got some good news. The show has been picked up. There will be a second. What? Yeah, there will. No, there I didn't will, know. Yeah, so season two is happening. And I read something that season three was picked up, which I find fascinating because season two hasn't even come out. But what I do know is there will be a second season of Ted Lasso. In fact, they are either uh, filming episodes now or they're scheduled to. I was listening to an interview with uh, with Coach Beard, and they were talking about it. So season two is definitely happening. It will not be out until next fall. So that's a shame uh, for those that want to get new episodes. But in the interim, you can watch season one on repeat again. There, it it lends itself very very well for multiple viewings. It's funny. It has heart. And I mean, Jason Sudeikis just freaking kills it, and um, everybody else does. Rebecca, the uh, the owner, uh, Shame from Game of Thrones, uh, just fantastic. And I can't. I... Nathan, Roy, can't beard. Yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody, the whole squad, the whole squad. It, it it it's great. And the other the other like unknown star. Are English people, this show has some really great like English cameo, not even cameos, just like unknown actors where like the first in the pilot episode, the guy that he runs into on the plane, uh, the people that he meets in the bar that tell him that he's shit and, uh call him a wanker and just, <laughs> you know, the, just great appreciation for English culture is really, really great. Oh, a little fact for you, John, because I, I think you'd appreciate Uh, this Brendan uh, the guy that plays coach beard he is a he's a comedian and he he discovered football when he moved over uh, Amsterdam he spent about five years in Amsterdam working at like for a comic troupe that they've got over there and he discovered football then and his team is Arsenal and the reason being which you know uh, Arsenal football club you know the 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 um, yeah yeah <laughs> Dennis Bur- is it does have anything to do with Dennis Burkamp? It has a lot to do with with that time frame. So yeah, he he discovered them during the height of the the Wenger area uh, era and everything. So over Mars and Dennis camp, you know uh, the 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 legends that that played then. But so you had that. Who was uh who before he coached AFC Richmond? Who did Ted Lasso coach in the commercial?
1: In the commercial? Uh The last one?
0: No, well, the first one. It was Tottenham. Tottenham, yep. Tottenham. He said the Tottenham Tottenham Hotspurs, I think, is how he uh, he referred. Yeah. Yeah. uh,
1: That commercial, I guess, like, when you look back at commercials in – can imagine being biased just because I'm a soccer fan. But that registers to me with like Nokita Taco Bell dog. <laughs> like when you're thinking about like great commercials like that are light, you know, like bam, that one was, that was a good one. Uh, the Ted Lasso Premier League soccer. We didn't talk about it much at all this time and I don't there's enough soccer podcasts out there. I, I, I love talking to you about the sport and how it, you know, uh, and where he's going from NBC that day, yeah. Uh, but that's we'll keep that yeah. off the air. Conversation for another time.
0: time. Now, one thing I do want to mention: this isn't the first time that a commercial then became a TV show. I know it's happened at least one other time, but I want to talk about a time recently that there was a commercial like ad campaign that became a television show. And it wasn't a good one, but for the listeners, everybody probably remembers like, what was it? The Geico cavemen. Remember like uh, so easy. A a caveman can do it. Right. Sure. Sure. So there was a TV show, many, uh, nobody watched it, but it lasted like half a season, but cavemen, like the, the Geico cavemen, they had a TV show and it it lasted like 13 episodes or something. So not in great company is Ted Lasso uh, when it comes to television ad campaigns that became a TV show. But the feedback is good and it's got picked up for another season. What were you gonna say, buddy?
1: Oh, they still just done three more than Ted Lasso has. And he want to have those games in hand. Or do you want points on the board? Yeah, we got points on the board. We got
0: season two. We got season <laughs> we two.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited to see where the seasons go. Uh, but, I, yeah, I couldn't think of too many of those. I thought about, you know, SNL skits just because it was chasing Sudeikis. But um, they were able to. Build a very good character And create a very good story And uh, I'm just excited I guess in a way I guess Maybe we give credit To Apple TV At this point Knowing like What they're putting out As a product Yeah Netflix has been doing A great job HBO has done a great job For years And when you talk about Cavemen You know That was Fox Primetime 13 episodes Like How are they gonna do A caveman skit Week to week Every day Like this is a different This is a different thing Yeah Um and it'll be interesting if we actually do get around to doing this season two and how different it will sound. But to see how far Apple TV has come within the, the next year.
0: That'll be fun. That'll be fun. So, you know, knock on wood that I'll still be doing this podcast and a, a year from now. You know, I mean, so far you guys are listening and I'm very, very appreciative. It, it does take a lot of work, but I'm enjoying it and we'll, we'll see how things go. But shit, even if I'm, even if, uh, Even if I don't do this podcast, I'll still do a season two uh, breakdown with you on Ted Lasso because it really is a ton of fun. But that's all I've got tonight. John, if there is anything else, I'll leave it over. I'll I'll turn it over to you. If not, you can give me a little little shake and say, no, I'm good. But uh, any any closing thoughts, John?
1: No, I guess we got the uh, upcoming one with Colin, right? We said Colin. Oh, you All right, well, there you go. We got, we got a little spoiler I, for y'all. I don't remember... I don't remember when the last three of us were together.
0: That'll be fun. Yeah, so listeners, a little spoiler uh, note for you. We will be doing a super Christmas episode, in which we'll have... John Rowe, myself, and Colin, Colin Fussell, who joined us way back on episode, I think, five when we talked about Whiplash. So the three of us will be doing a Christmas story together, and uh, we'll be talking about that movie and our own childhood Christmas memories. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be coming out right before Christmas. So give that, you know, be a, be on the lookout for that one. I'm excited about it. I think, I think it hasn't even happened yet. And I think that one's already my favorite episode, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. How well, comes. I
1: would say, yeah, don't judge it by this one. Go back and listen to whiplash. And uh, I would just say the Rathacon episode <laughs> that would, be a good one to listen to.
0: And then uh, those are the two characters from those episodes who are going to be coming to play. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So I'm, I i can't wait to record that episode. John, as always, thank you very much for uh, coming back. Welcome to to being the first ever five-timer on Stamper Cinema. But, dude, I mean, you're basically an honorary like guest host anyway. I mean, this, this show has my name, but I, I think at this point you're... you're 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 kind of a kind of a co-host as far as i'm concerned and i'm I'm always appreciative to have you and uh, be able to chat with you so thank you again you're welcome thank you buddy all right listeners we will see you next week be safe and um try and think of a better way to end this episode no i can't think of anything love you guys we'll see you next time pretty good